This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Hello, happy Tuesday, everybody. Bringing Tuesday back on Jets at Noon every single day. Terrific Tuesday. Making sure everybody understands just how fantastic Tuesday really is. Uh, Tuesday gets a bad rap. Um, Tuesday's not... Forgotten day of the week. Yeah, you know. Nobody pays attention to it. Wednesday's... Till now. Wednesday's ain't all that cracked up. Ain't all what it's... Can't even speak. Wednesday ain't all what it cracked up to be. <laughs> Wednesday ain't I wonder all what, what it cracked, cracked up, up to, to be. be. Like people, the, the people go, oh, Wednesday's coming, and then, oh, this is a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's thinking it's, oh, yeah, we're halfway through the re- week, and it's not that great. Not that great. Not that great at all. Not that great. Uh, lots going on in the world of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, an article written uh, in The Athletic uh, regarding uh, his sort of status and where he could likely land. Uh, Arpon Basu in The Athletic really doing a great job. We'll talk about that as the show goes on, as well as the Boston Bruins doing some interesting moves. Um, just uh, some things that uh, I wanted to I wanted to uh, bring uh, I wanted to bring up, but but. You know, Jim. I mean, we're. I think it's a week away. We're just a week and a day away from the from the NHL draft. Uh, we're sort of waiting and to see what's going to happen. Do you think that? Because we we both know that the Pierre Luc Dubois trade and then the Connor Hellebuck trade, those are the moves that are going to happen um, likely first here. And then what happens with Mark Scheifele is then that becomes what's going to happen. Uh, or what happened, or what was what came back in those first initial deals? Do you think that it's important that those two trades um, get made before the draft? Because there's, I I totally expected the, the, for those moves to have draft picks attached to them. But if those trades happen, is that something that you can also flip at the draft to kind of fill those holes as well? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Cam, because we're focused so much on the return because I do believe it's going to be players. I don't think this is a rebuild at all. It's not going to just be prospects that haven't arrived and picks. I, mm-hmm. I think there are going to be players coming. But I, w- I was on with the guys at Sportsend Vancouver this morning, and they asked me specifically that. They said, you know, is part of this sort of retool that the Jets are going to embark on include draft picks? Do you think they're draft pick hunting? And I said, well, for sure they are. And then I mentioned how at the deadline this year, I thought they should mortgage some of the future. And then it was made abundantly clear when they didn't that that's not the way Winnipeg can do things, right? Yeah. So so I do think that there'll be draft picks coming back. Uh, they were asking because the Sportsnet guys – um, because they're like the Winnipeg Jets don't have a ton of draft picks. And I, I would assume there's some picks coming back this way in some of these deals, but it really, to me, depends on the caliber of player. Like just speculating if it's LA and if it's Gabe Velarde or yeah. Quentin Byfield, mm-hmm. if it's just those players, I think there's a, some, some picks involved. Yeah. If it's them and a D man or something, then there might not be any picks, but I don't see this team trading these names that we're talking about without getting some picks back. Yeah. And I, and I think that that just creates another opportunity at the draft. You know, I, I always have this thought and I think a lot of the times, Jim, we head into the draft and I've heard year after year, this is going to be a real busy draft. We're going to see tons of moves happening. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. I can't remember. Maybe you can, maybe you can come up with something, Jim, like where there was a big blockbuster move that happened at the draft. I think PK Subban and Shea Weber with the Nashville Predators and the Montreal Canadiens. I believe that happened at the draft, but it's usually sort of this, 
it, it's it's usually kind of leading up to it that there's kind of this idea that a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of moves get made. A lot of trades do get made, but it's usually for picks here, pick there, prospect here, chance to move up, and and, and that sort of situation. So I, I think if if these moves are going to be made prior to the draft, I think it's exactly what's going to happen. I think it'll be a few days before the draft, and because I think if you head in there with picks, I think you'll you're going to see teams. GM scouts, they're going to be really high on players and they're going to see an opportunity to move up. And that's where you can kind of pounce. Well, I thought Kirby Doc was a pretty big move by Montreal last year at the draft. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you're right. And and that's because, you know, if you're at the draft and you're dealing like it's a lot of cap world, right? The yeah. cap world has come in. So there's not a lot of hockey deals done in and around the draft. But I don't think that's doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So I, I do think there's going to be picks involved. I do think the Jets are going to try to replenish the cupboards but I, I do think that they have a ton of prospects coming in yeah well not a ton but like the Chaz Lucius is the Rutmagoris we still have Billy Hainala hanging around here which is you Logan, know either in the Logan, lineup or not Logan Stanley's well Logan Stanley's here um and then you look at the cupboards and you know like I said the Chaz Lucius's the the Rutger Magoris um those kind of players of the world uh I, I think are still in this but yeah there, there's going to be some picks involved but I I could also, to be honest with you, see some, like if Pierre-Luc Dubois goes, the name's being thrown around. Yeah. Gabe Velarde, Jersey, the defenseman. I would take that trade. I yeah. would grab both those players and Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I wouldn't have to throw a pick in. Um, if you could get those two players for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think that's a pure hockey trade without picks being involved. But I don't see Connor Hellebuck going anywhere without three to five assets. Yeah. And the reason if it's three, it's because there's a number two or number one center coming back or something like that. But if it's a, a second line player and a D man, then I think there's picks involved in it. Another big, uh, another move, uh, just a reminder of this one, Chicago uh, trading Alex to bring it to Ottawa last year as well. That was big. That was another, he might be trade, done yeah. dealt at this draft again. Yeah, that's so, it's possible. Um, it's like the reason we do this is because things have changed with the cap world. There's a lot of things that can't be done money wise. Mm-hmm compared to back before the cap when you'd go to the draft and like some big names would be moving around. Um, but I, I don't think that eliminates it at all. And I think we could hear some big names being again, like the Brinkat, Kirby doc. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Montreal did that, that was shocking at the draft. Yeah. The floor, from what I understand, Kelly Moore was there, but I mean, a lot of people were like, because it was in Montreal too, right? Yeah. It was the Canadians doing it. Yeah. There was sort of, yeah, ex- exactly. And, you know, heading into it, I mean, are the, are the Winnipeg Jets going to look to also replace that second pick, you know, yeah. that, that they gave away then the Brendan uh, Dylan Dylan trade? Are they going to look to also make some other moves? I mean, you think at this point the Winnipeg Jets would, would if a first-round pick also landed in their lap, do you think that would be something that they would look to trade or would be something that they would look to hold on to? Because I know that they're looking to fill the cupboards back up a little bit. Yeah, I think they would hold on to it. I think so, too. I, I just, like, I had my eyes opened, and and not that it, they needed to be. They were blinded because I, I was just on with these contracts. To, to take a serious run at a Stanley Cup champion two years in a row, championship, that's what I'm kind of at the point with. Yeah. But the idea that you're getting a first-round pick coming back here, I mean, again, if you're sending a first-round pick out that you've acquired, think of the caliber of player you're getting back. You're getting a first-line guy or a top-pairing D guy if you're doing that for a first-round pick. I just, again, had my eyes opened a little bit to the point of the one way Winnipeg can control what happens with these players is by owning their rights. Yeah. And so to send out prospects that haven't even played a game for you or picks – Yeah. 
that's the one. I, I think that that's how Winnipeg Jets have to function going forward is will they be in on free agents? For sure. Mm-hmm. Will they be talking trades? Of course. But the one way you can ensure the fact that you're going to get high caliber players in this organization for six years or more is by drafting them. Got this text message just from Alan, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. I've seen this text a lot, and uh, I, I'm glad you texted this, Alan. It said, who could the Jets have drafted with the pick we swapped with Vegas to protect Toby Enstrom? We drafted Veselin with the lower pick we received, a complete bust. Chevy has done some good things, but some of his past moves and contracts are hurting this team. The reason why the Jets had to do that was because that was the only way that Toby Enstrom was going to drop his um, was going to no drop move. his no move. Yes. And I've seen this tons of times. People can talk about the Toby Enstrom deal that the Jets would then have had to make available because of the um, right the, the because you could either protect three defensemen or it was you could protect eight total players or three defensemen and then it was it was uh, another group of he waived and stuff his like that. no move. So that he could become eligible for the yes. draft, and then the pick was thrown in for them not to take Toby. Correct. Enstrom. That's what happened. That's how it functioned. And again, I I love this hindsight. This is the other conversation I was talked about. If if Chevaldeoff is the right guy, having been here for so long, moving forward, I've heard more and more trepidation around Kevin Chevaldeoff just because yeah. he's been here for so long. Does he bear some responsibility for this roster? Of course he does. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the roster. Again, it, it's not working. Everybody can see that. It's yeah. got its it's for whatever reason. But constantly, this is a why is everybody so upset and disappointed? Because this roster has underachieved yeah. for the majority of the prime time of this core. Mm-hmm. That's why. You're not sitting here going, they've overachieved. You're not sitting here going, well, they were a first round exit. That's how they were built, and nobody expected more. Yeah. And that's the GM that built this. So if you have a GM that built a team that has underachieved and should be way better than it is, mm-hmm. yes, he bears some of the responsibility of that. But isn't that what you want your GM to do? He cannot play the games for you. Yeah. And I had this conversation with one of our listeners yesterday on text, and I go, I have, I, can you be upset with Shevel Dayoff? Yeah, he, he put it together. But why are you angry at him and think he needs to get fired and if you are that way, you should be just as angry as the players who didn't show up in Game Five of that Vegas series. That's why it hurts, Jim. You know what I mean? Like that's well, why that's what I, I mean. Like that's, that's exactly right. So, and I'm at the point where I think it's like Paul Maurice. To be honest with you, um, there will be a new GM here eventually, and when that GM comes in, I just think some fans are going to have their eyes open to nothing changes with a new yeah. GM. It's still the hardest market to trade for. It's still the hardest market to try and sign free agents. And it's still going to be an organization that needs to build and develop through the draft. Yeah, and just to go back to that, uh, the, the text message about uh, Toby Enstrom, uh, the protected list for the Vegas draft uh, back in 2017 was clubs will have two options for players they wish to protect in the expansion draft. A, seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goaltender, or eight skaters, uh, forwards, and defensemen, and one goaltender's. And that was, I mean, the, the, at the time, the Winnipeg Jets, Dustin Bufflin, 
you know, uh, Jacob Truba. I'm not sure Josh Morrissey at that time was available. I think he was might have been still on an entry level. Yeah, contract. we don't have to keep revisiting that. Yeah. We know why yeah. Toby Enstrom was. I just wanted to make sure because I, did, I didn't went have to Vegas the, to make sure it. A ton of teams did that. Yeah, a All, ton of teams did that with Seattle. There were there were picks sent to expansion teams to not draft certain players. Yeah, all players who have currently in effective and continuing no movement clause at the time of the expansion draft must be protected. I mean, are th- is this what we're doing now? We're looking back at the Vegas expansion well, draft six years ago and see, going, who could have they have had? Yeah, let's take a break. But the thing they is, they could have had Nick Suzuki. But why? And I, he's not in Vegas anymore. Well, I, that's that was the conversation. And I, I'm just making a point here because this is something that has come back every. I, I hear this all the time about the the Vegas expansion draft, and they should have let Toby Enstrom. Well, I think if the Winnipeg Jets had the option, yeah, they would have uh, they would have made him available. This is but like asking the Vegas option. Knights if they regret trading Nick Suzuki. Do they? No, they want a cup. Great song, by the way. Yeah. I can't wait for tonight. Yeah. I'm absolutely. jitty. Absolutely. Jitty? Lots, I'm, lots, I'm, lots more. What's the word? Jiggy. Yeah. No. I'm jittery. That's what I'm trying to say. You're, you're, you're swaying with excitement. Oh, if they play this tonight. If I, they play this tonight, I won't be here tomorrow. <laughs> Last time I saw Nickelback, they only played Breathe from like the early stuff. Yeah. But that's the greatest stuff. You got to play some worthy to say, leader of man, that kind leader of stuff. Leader of man, yeah. If you play leader of man, Forche, I'll take you with me tonight. We'll be right back. But you ain't coming back home, kid. It's up to you. We're going on an adventure. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. The Chicago Blackhawks, they have so many picks in this draft, Jim. They're going to pick six times before seven other teams get a chance to even make their first selection. Uh, first, 19th, 35th, 44th, 51st, and uh, 55th. That's before Edmonton, New Jersey, Dallas, Florida, Boston, Ottawa, Tampa Bay all make their first picks. They yeah, got a lot of I picks. Mean, they're locked and loaded. That's a good, it's a, it's a deep at, draft. That's what well, everyone's both, telling me. Yeah. We both were at the Ken Cronson Rady JCC dinner last night, and yeah. Chris Chelios, part of the, the guest speakers, was giving away a trip to Chicago and to meet with the alumni and tour the facility and everything like that. And the first thing he dropped when, when the bidding slowed down was, oh, and I'll make sure you meet Connor Bedard. <laughs> and, just, and then all of a sudden the room is like, oh, yeah. And then I kind of thought, I'm like, you know, Chicago, no one wanted to be in last year. This year could time. be the new Edmonton coming up, right? Time. The new Edmonton. Get me to Edmonton if I'm going somewhere. I'll play with this guy. Times have changed in the latest on Pierre-Luc Dubois and some of the uh, trade criteria. And Boston signs a, a goaltender. Could this they affect goalies there. the situation <laughs> with the Winnipeg Jets? We'll get into this There's after some this. depth there. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the show. Cameron Poitras, Jim Toth here with you. Uh, latest on the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. I mean, I kind of thought it was going to happen this week. It could still happen this week, but I think it might leak into next week as well. Just my thoughts on it. Um, I just don't. Um, and it could. Like when I say I think it's happening this week and this night, I yeah. have no indication of that. I just look at this process already, right? Yeah. So it's been... Two to three weeks since he announced. Last week, the teams were circling. End of last week, we got the report from Elliot Friedman that the Kings have pushed in, mm-hmm. which tells me that there was discussions with a couple of places. Yeah. And the Kings have up pushed in to me, goes, well, wait a minute, we're really interested in this. Yeah. So let's, from our original conversation, let's talk about this. 
And I just, I don't know, like another week goes by. I, I, I think if another week goes by on Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think it becomes more ominous. Yeah, I agree with that. But if it does go by another week and nothing's happened, then as you get closer to the draft, pressure mounts. Yeah, and of course, all we've heard from really about this is Los Angeles making a big push. We know there was five or six teams on that list. Uh, you know, there's always opportunity for an 11th hour team to kind of jump in here, a team that's not being discussed about that perhaps is not being reported on uh, that, you know, you know, might be making a, a late but push my, to acquire him. In my mind, the point is the discussions have been had. Yeah. The revisits are being have been done or are are finalizing. And after that, a decision decisions have to be made. Yeah. This was an article in The Athletic by Arpan Basu. Um, uh, he writes uh, for the Habs. Uh, in The Athletic, and he wrote this article, why the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade criteria makes it unlikely he lands with the Canadians. And I thought this was the most uh, interesting quote from from the entire article, which is, which is very good. I, I, I suggest you read it if you do have an opportunity. But it says, what's important to note here is that Dubois, according to a source close to him, Arpon writes, wants to do right by Winnipeg to some extent. This is why he provided a group of five or six teams as opposed to insisting Winnipeg deal only with Montreal, his original desired destination. That, as the source described, was a decision Dubois made with his heart, but once his head got involved, he opened his mind to other possibilities that would meet his criteria for furthering his career in a long-term deal with a new team, end quote. I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois hates this organization. I don't think he hates Winnipeg. No, I don't think so I think so he just doesn't want to play here anymore. I think yeah. he wants to go to a bigger center, Montreal being the forefront. But, And this is what I've always thought would happen. When Nick Suzuki is your captain, he's making 7.8. You're not getting signed for more than that. No, and especially Leave. after you just tied up Cole Caulfield to less, long-term, less than Nick Suzuki. The optics of bringing in a free agent and paying him a mil and a half to two mil more than your captain – um, and, and so I, and I said we, this before, but I think that there's only that sort of money for a real stud defenseman that they bring in. I, I think that just because of the situation with the, with the cap where Montreal is, I think if there is going to be an eight and a half, nine million dollar player coming in, I think it's going to be a big time guy. In the that's blue an line. interesting. Point. That's my thought. That's an interesting point. Like, like Dougie like, Hamilton exactly got nine. Like Doug, exactly. If you like brought in a guy Hamilton, like that, yeah. you think he might get nine in Montreal? I think he would. And I think that that's the only way that you could spin it. I, I, and, and not that I think Nick Suzuki's a guy that he'd be like, well, what the heck? Or call Caulfield's going to feel that way. But I think Montreal is, they do not have a good defense. And I think that, I think that it would be a, a benefit to the team. But when but, I look oh, at but that, the money is only for a situation like that. When, that's my, that's my opinion. on When it. I look at, and you've done this too, when we look at that roster yeah. together or separately, it's Doc or Suzuki. And that's the only thing I'd trade Dubois for. Yeah. They don't have anything else I would be interested in if I was the Jets. They don't have the assets. Um, and then I, I do think, like, it's a conversation of I want to choose where I play mm -hmm. and I want to be a Montreal Canadian. I always have been. But then the agent's involved, right? And the agent's going, Pierre, I can get you 7.5 there if you want to be there. But listen, these are, this is who's calling. One of them's the LA Kings, whoever, the Rangers, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever the other three or four are. Mm -hmm. Let's talk to them all. Let's see the situation. And then all of a sudden, he wants nine is being reported, right? Eight, eight, somewhere eight and a half, nine. So yeah. if, if the Kings come back and go, we'll do nine by eight or seven, um, and you'll play, you know, with Kopitar either behind or in front of them, and we got a great young team here, and all of a sudden it's like, it's it's Los Angeles. Yeah. There's probably a partner involved going, you know, I know we both want to live in Montreal, but like we see the photos on social media of him hanging out with Cole Caulfield right now, and I'm like, he's doing, Trevor he's and, doing yeah. that now. Yeah. 
and he's not a Montreal Canadian. Like that's the part of it that always is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I'm from the era of where can I go to win a cup? Yeah. And then, okay, of my options, which city do I like? We're just not in that era anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And and Chelios and Ronick and Belfort spoke about this last night. Yeah, It's a different era. You can't call out your teammates. You can't hold them accountable, at least not publicly. Uh, Roanick talked about how Chelios grabbed him by the neck when he was injured in the playoffs once, and he was, like, cheering and banging on the glass, and Roanick said, I'd had a few... And he said, the first intermission, he dragged me by my collar into that room, threw the dressing room in front of the guys into the back of it, and threw me up against the wall and said, stop acting like an idiot. Mm. We're in the playoffs. And just because you're not in line. I don't think stuff like that ever happens anymore. No. And then I'm looking at those three guys up there, and two of them are Stanley Cup champs. The other one should be in the Hall of Fame and will be in JR, I think. Mm. But they're just talking about how the game has changed and they're talking about how the lack of accountability and they're talking about how they pushed each other. And it just, it's not just the Jets, I thought, because I'm not in the room. Yeah, just, yeah. But it just, I don't think this goes on around the NHL See, but, anymore. But, but Jim, they, they talk about that, like, people say, oh, you're a dinosaur. But they're like, when we would play St. Louis or Detroit, like, we would wonder what would happen in the warm-ups. Yeah. And now guys are standing at center ice having a conversation because they have the same agent or they're going to all go to the Grand Prix in Montreal and you're going to have Zegris and Caulfield and Dubois. Well, Caulfield and Dubois just went at it in a playoff series. Yeah. And got swept. Things are different now. And I'm not opposed to being friends and all that, but it's just a different era. They're wired different. and, and, And where you play, lifestyle, all that, to me means just as much as winning, and I'm just not from that era. You know, Jim, I, I think the transition hap- has happened more recent than perhaps we think. I think when we saw two years ago Paul Stasny and Blake Wheeler in their year-ender um, speaking about sort of, and, and Blake Wheeler said this many times, talking about how the, the game has kind of changed in the way you have to handle people and stuff like that. I mean, these guys aren't... <laughs> Like, I mean, you're not talking about dinosaurs when you're talking about Blake Wheeler, who's 36 years old, um, turning 37, and Paul Stasny. I mean, these well, guys well, aren't Blake, these guys aren't old, but Blake I'm saying— Blake would have gone through it with Line A. Yeah. And people blame Blake for that. But I always took the standpoint of, if I'm 30 years old and I'm trying to win a Stanley Cup, I've always said this, in these those early days with Line A, and I'm not bashing Line A at all, but I often thought if those two end up in a Starbucks line at an airport to their next road trip, yeah. I wonder what the conversation's like. Well, maybe because you got yeah. one guy that takes it way too seriously and admitted that it leaked into his home life and and war- like he wants to win so bad, and yet another guy who gets oh when I get a hat trick I like to eat ice cream. Maybe it's not an age thing, Jim. Maybe it's not a generational thing. Maybe it's when you start to see the runway in your National Hockey League career is coming to an end. But here's the you difference. Start, you start to want to win more. But here's and it's the- like when you're 20, you're 21, 22, 23, you're coming into the league. You think that you're going to be in the National Hockey League for years. But I'll here, get my chance and, at a And cup. here's the difference. Yeah. So when that happens, or you're pl- staying up too, night, too late on road trips till 4 a.m. playing Fortnite. Yeah. The Chelios is taking a Roanick aside and going, wake the F up. And this is how it's done. This is how it works. You can do whatever you want in your own time. But when you're here, you work your tail off. And you, you, you go into the gym before practice and you leave the gym, you leave the gym out, go to the gym after practice and you do this. I don't see that happening anymore. Like if Blake Wheeler said that to Patrick Line at the time, and again, I'm not bashing Line, it's just a different era, right? Like it's just a different uh, yeah. holding of accountability and wanting to learn the way 
Because Line A, rightfully so, can go, I don't want to play here anymore then. Yeah. I you, don't. You, I mean, the, I mean, the RFA. Could the you imagine have Jeremy was- Roenick ever going to management because Chelios pulled him aside and gave him the what for and said, I don't want to play here anymore. Well, they, they tell you to get the heck out of the room. They would say, "Go, okay, don't let the door hit you in the ass and we'll see you at practice tomorrow. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. And we're talking about like, you, I mean, Line A and Goudreau are in Columbus and love it. Goudreau by choice. And now Mike Babcock's coming. Well, Lonnie's also signed and there, Chris too. And Chris Chelios spoke about Babcock. And he is another former NHL player that does not have one good word to say about Mike Babcock and his tactics. Yeah. And how he tries to motivate and how things like that. And I was thinking to myself, so these guys go out of their way to pick and choose where they want to live and where they... Like, you're never going to convince me that Goudreau took Columbus for a chance to win. He's going to be there for eight years, I think, or seven and he won't have a chance to win for maybe three years going in, going into last year. Yeah. And now he's got Mike Babcock coming in. So you did all of this stuff, all of this research and blah, blah, blah. Would he not be better off having chosen a team that has a chance to win? Mm-hmm. Well, he would have, but that just didn't end up happening. That's a decision that he's made. And it was, and remember uh, when Johnny Goudreau went there, it was a talk about lifestyle. Like Matthew Kachuk did this. Matthew yeah. Kachuk is doing what Pierre-Luc Dubois is doing. Everything worked out fine for him. Yeah. But until that last day of the regular season, like it just, I don't know. It's a different, I, I know I sound a million years old to some of our listeners right now, but I'm, I'm just from that era where I have, well, my ma- point I is- have maybe a five to 12 year career. Yeah. And every time I have a choice and where I'm going to play in that career, I'm going to pick a, a chance to win well, every time. And, and I'm saying, I don't know if you, I don't think you sound like a dinosaur at all because I think you'd, you'd have, and we've heard from uh, players that are sort of past that 35-year-old 35 35-year-old 35 threshold Win in the National money. Hockey League. I'm not discrediting That's what the I'm money. Saying. I'm saying I'm, I'm saying- not going to take 4 million less for a chance to win, but if if I can be if I can make money and a chance to win, that'll lead my way 100,000 times out of 100,000 times. Yeah. Not where I where what city I think I'll have the most fun in or or we, even if I mean, maybe my spouse is listening, but I would be like, I'm sorry. We have a limited chance here for me to do this. Yeah. And if it means living in Detroit, I will live in Detroit <laughs> that, for, that for conversation, four years. That conversation does not this. happen. That conversation doesn't happen anymore. Well, that's why I think Dubois is yeah. not going to Montreal because I, I think when the agent says, if they're offering you nine and this is a good young team and they made the playoffs last year and they're, they're loaded for bear for the next couple of years. And then the conversation comes you know, I would think it goes, and I don't know, but Pierre, I don't mind Los Angeles for the next seven years. Yeah. Especially at that price. And if you have a chance to win, I think it's real easy to for Montreal not to be the destination. Another piece in this in this in this Arpon uh, article here, why the Pierre why the Pierre Luc Dubois trade criteria makes it unlikely he lands with the Canadians. They really don't have many assets to offer the Winnipeg Jets. They don't have, like, as you said, they well, only that's have Suzuki. I, I look at that and I'm like, I And they have Kirby Doc. They have picks, but the Winnipeg Jets aren't looking for picks. No. And what the Habs are going to try to do is they're going to try to offset uh, some contracts that they don't want to hold on to anymore. You're not going to take picks over Gabe Velarde or Quentin Byfield. It's not happening. You're just no. not. No, especially when you'd have control over guys, RFAs, on good and, on good. And that's where deals. the Jets do have some leverage. Is there, like, Montreal can offer us the, all the first-round picks they want. Yeah. I want a player, and I want this player. And if they don't want it, then they go, well, look, tell your client that we've got to deal with L.A. Yeah. And that's where they do have a little bit of leverage. I, I think that this, and again, if this reporting is accurate here, which I, I, I believe it is, a source close to him has kind of said, listen, Dubois, you got to stop 
thinking about your heart here. I know your heart's in Montreal. You yeah. have the rest of your life to live in Montreal. I don't I don't think you have the rest of your life to become a Montrealer full time. You can you know what, Jim? You can even live there in the summertime. You can spend every minute of your life in summer or when you're on break, when the when the league uh you know goes away for bo- from from Christmas Eve to Boxing Day, you spend all that time. When when you the bye week comes by, you can spend that whole time in Montreal. I just got a text we're not going to Detroit. No, I'm kidding. I did, but, but that I mean, deal, that I, deal fell through. But, Damn it. but, but that's I don't know. Like I, I spent that money. It's but and maybe the flip side of this is good for them. Like in the history of the National Hockey League, players finally have some leverage. Times are changing, Jim. Let's take a break. Times are a change. Let's take a break. On the other side, we need a leader of men. The Boston Bruins have made a, a two-way contract. On a one-year deal with a goaltender, that has me thinking. It has me thinking a little bit about the Boston Bruins. I like it when you think. Sometimes I do. Because I've been there when you don't. <laughs> we'll be right back. Gotten in a lot of trouble. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back. And just a further little couple points here uh, with the with the you know situation uh, uh, about Pierre-Luc Dubois finding another landing spot outside of Winnipeg here. There's a lot of stuff that needs to come together here, right? And so while it these things take time, I mean, first of all, the Winnipeg Jets have to agree on on assets to be moved between themselves and L.A., just as an example. I'm using them as an example. And then a contract needs to be hammered out between the agent and the team. Then, a, then the, an eight-year deal needs to be signed with the Jets. Then the trade has to happen. Um, and also probably attach this if it is L.A. or a team in a similar situation. Uh, L.A.'s only got $7.3 million in cap space. That would also require them to move assets out and players out to be able to gain cap space. So there's, I'm just saying, you know, there's lots of things that are moving around and, you know, th- that could hold up this deal as well. Yeah, and with a bunch of teams. Um, but it's yeah. interesting, right? Like everybody's waiting. It, we, we're so focused on the Jets, and rightfully so. But there are a lot of teams that need to make moves. Like Noah yeah. Hannafin, is he going somewhere in Calgary? That's not just a small name. Yeah. There, there's so many teams that are very interesting. And uh, Oliver ekman Larson bought out in Vancouver. And, and so there's Alex DeBrincat. What are yeah. they doing with him? It's just a fascinating offseason. I'm wondering what the first domino is going to be. I think Jets-wise, it's Dubois. But what is the first domino around the league and how that might change something? What if out of the blue, the Brinkhead ends up in L.A. or somewhere? I don't yeah. know. And then that might affect what other teams are doing. And so it's a Absolutely. fascinating time. So the Bruins signed goaltender, uh, this goaltender Busey to a one-year, two-way contract extension. Now, this goaltender Busey, uh, pretty dang good numbers. I mean, it was with AHL in Providence this last year. Uh, but a one-year, two-way contract, uh, played 32 games in the A. 2.4 uh, goals against average and a save percentage of 9.24 uh, and then in the in the playoffs um better numbers 2.28 goals against 9.26 save percentage uh i i'm i'm curious i mean the boston bruins are going to have to make a decision i think that they're okay to deal with swayman and allmark for another year perhaps another year or two here but eventually they're going to have to make a decision here and i i, I just thought that that was interesting them signing this goaltender and perhaps it could make a change maybe they're going to tr- look to move a goaltender out the winnipeg jets if hellebuck is traded will look to acquire a goaltender as well the host of locked on uh bruins the podcast there aaron mclaren tweeted out bruins need to add eight players to their roster with less than five million dollars in, in cap space prepare for a couple tough moods so just as you said jim there's a lot of teams that are going to have to make a lot of decisions here 
And the shoe really hasn't dropped yet as to what is really, really going to happen when all these sort of moves really, really heat up. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it's fascinating to see what everybody will do in planning. Like, I, what is Calgary going to do? Markstrom Vladar and Devin Wolf, who's not only the AHL goalie of the year, but he's the MVP of the American Hockey League. Like, do you think he's going to go back to the AHL next year? I, I don't think so. I don't so. think he's going to want to. I don't think he's going to want to. And then, like, do you. It's fascinating what they do. And same in Boston. Like, good on them for signing that kid. But, I, I mean, what do they do? I mean, you're you're keeping Allmark. Then what are you doing with Swayman, who's RFA? And could you get Swayman out of there for Shifley? Or? Swayman's an RFA, yeah. Two more years of Allmark. It's a thought because they're going to need to replace Patrice Bergeron. John Gibson. Now, I don't think Gibson's going to come up here. But if Gibson goes to somewhere else and somewhere else has too young. Spencer Knight's making four mil. Bobrovsky's making 10. <laughs> yeah. Like there's deals to be done. It just, we need to kickstart it, right? Get they, it going. Do they come together? Thank you very much to Jeffrey Fortune Somebody for be a leader of the men. show. Somebody's got Somebody's got to lead these men. Great song. Uh, Jim Toth, take all the way till three Forts. o'clock. I'll be back on Thursday. Are you See driving it. tonight, Forts? Or are we riding shotgun? Uh, we're riding shotgun. There we go. See you later, kid. Good show. You did well. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.